Hi, Josh Sorrell here from Sandhill FWB Church in Sandusky, Ohio. The podcast that you're about to enjoy was given live before our congregation here at Sandhill, and we pray that this podcast will encourage and challenge your walk with Christ. For more sermons like this, as well as additional Christian content, visit our website at www.sandhillfwb.com or check out our social media pages on YouTube and Facebook, keyword Sandhill FWB Church. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way. Very familiar verse. Uh, everybody can quote it. It's, it's quoted and misused all the time in church. We're going to try and dig a little deeper into it this morning and see if we can find out what this verse means. So let's stand and honor God's Word. Just going to read one verse. <clears throat> Proverbs 22, verse number 6. <clears throat> Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for our mothers, Lord, and how precious that they are. Lord, we can celebrate, Lord, what they've done for us today, and I thank you for that. And Father, as we look to your word today, we want to understand, Lord, the responsibility that is laid on us, Father, and I just pray you'd help, Lord, remove me out of the way. Lord, let your word speak. May your Holy Spirit reveal to us what we need to know. I pray in Jesus' name, and amen. <clears throat> so, the book of Proverbs, let, let's, start with, let's start with this. The book of Proverbs, we believe that the Bible is the inerrant word of God, right? We, we believe that everything in it is true, but we also have to take it in context and understand the type of scripture that it is. And the book of Proverbs, I believe, one of my favorite books in all of the Bible, but I believe it's a very misunderstood book because it is Proverbs. Does anybody know what Proverbs are? They're wise sayings. Okay? They're not, they're not promises. They're not commands. So how many of you have been in church and you've heard some preacher get up and say, boy, if you, just, if you train up your child as he should go, no matter what happens, if he goes astray, it's guaranteed he's coming back. Is that what this verse is saying? That's not what this verse is saying, right? And, and, and now certainly we would agree that if you raise your kids in church, there's a whole lot better chance of them turning out right than there is if you don't, right? We, we understand that. But this is, not a, uh, this is not that. This is a wise saying. And so, so let me see if I can illustrate a wise saying like this. Um, I often have people come into my office and, and they're having a problem. They're having a family problem. They're having a church problem. They're having whatever the problem is. They're offended at somebody. And a lot of times I can say this to them. Now, I'm not prophetic. I'm not uh, uh, seeing the future. I don't have some special powers. But a lot of times I can say to them, if you do this, this is what's going to happen. And if I could say it, most of the time I'm right. Do you know why that is? Because the last 10 people that sat in that chair that told me that same thing, this is what happened to them, okay? I'm, I'm not that smart. I'm not a rocket scientist. It's just that every time you do this, this is usually what happens. That's a wise saying, okay? Now, could someone break that? It's possible. But the last 10 people that sat there and told me that, this is what happened to them. Is that, you guys follow? That's kind of what a proverb is. It's a wise saying. Solomon had the wisdom of God. And, and so he has these wise sayings that he passes on to us. So let's just dig a little deeper in this verse. I'm very interested in the first word, train. And that's what we want to preach about this morning is train. It says train up a child. Uh, that, that is, uh, uh, I think, different than I've often heard it used. Uh, we're going to look at, at how we train this morning. I titled the message Training Wheels. Um, 
I can remember, it's funny to me that I can remember this, but I can remember so very clearly. But I can remember when I was a little boy, my dad uh, got me a bike, and I had two training wheels. And he'd just run me down the road, right? And I'd, right? And, I, and I, but then I'd come back, and he'd do it again, and I'd do it again. And then one day, he said, we're going to take one off, and we're going to leave one on, right? And I'm trying to make sure I'm leading the right way, and I'm going down there. All the, but, you know, I, as old as I am, I, it was five years old. I can remember just like it was yesterday. I remember plainly, Brother Charles, when he took both of them off. And I went down that hill, and I could ride a bike. And I'm like, wow. And, you know, they always say this, but that's been 50 years ago. I still remember. Right? It's, it's like the first time you do it, you just can do it forever. And before that, you could But what would have happened? I want, to ask this, I want to ask this question. What would have happened if my dad would have said, first time out, no training wheels, just take off down that hill and see what happens? Right? And then after I, after I hurt myself really bad, my mom doctors me back up. He says, okay, we're going to try it again. He puts me on there and he sends me back down the hill. And I tear myself up again and he says, okay, we're, we're just going to keep doing that until you figure this out. Right now, I probably would have eventually learned it just would have hurt really bad till I did. Are you guys following me? As we, as we kind of laugh at that illustration, I want to challenge you that that is how we do life. See, I think that often we send our kids out, no training, and we say, go down the mountain and see how that works out for you. Destroy your life, well, get up and try it again. Destroy your life, get up and try it again. Destroy your life, get up and try it again. Well, why don't we put training wheels on it and help them out down the hill? Amen? And I think that's what this verse is saying. Train them, train them before they do it. <clears throat> now, we've already said over and over, our moms are so very precious. Can I get an Amen. Our, our moms are over, and they love us. And, you know, I always joke with my mom. I, I, I was joking with her at the revival last week that... Uh, no matter what I do, she's going to love me. You know, I can be really, really bad. She's going to love me. I can be mean to her. She's going to love me. I, I, I tell her, I said, there's nothing I can do to get you. And she said, nope, you can't make do anything to keep me from love. Can all you moms say amen? amen. just doesn't matter. You're going to love me, right? Now, that's precious. And, and thank God for it. But I want to talk about raising kids this morning. And as precious as our moms are, and the way they love us, how precious that is, um, it's a big job. Amen? It's a big job. It's a serious job. And the irony of the irony of the age that you are when you have children, I, th I think it's almost comical. Now, me and Renee have figured out as much as we love our grandkids, you guys know how much we love our grandkids, all you grandparents can say amen, they're, they're the greatest thing in the world, but me and her figured out why God had us have kids when we were young, because we just can't do it now. We just, we just can't, as much as we love them, we just, we're both just, we, we just can't keep up with them, right? It's, there's a reason you have them when you're young. But at the same time, I can remember when my kids were young, I was trying to start a career, I was trying to buy a house. Life was insanely busy. Truth be known, me and Renee were very immature, and we're trying to raise two babies. Isn't that how, we, isn't that how life is? And then you grow up and you have the answers. I don't have no kids to raise, right? That's kind of what it is. So when you don't know anything and you're immature and you're busy and you're creative, I think that's, that's when you have kids. But it's still 
a very important job that we need a little help on. Now, just so as I don't lose everybody here this morning, this is a message kind of because it is Mother's Day. But if I could say this, um, this applies to dads. And I thank God for all the young, wasn't it precious to have all these young kids up here and all of the young people that we have in church? I thank God for that. But may I remind you, because you probably all forgot, may I remind you that we put on a youth camp? May I remind you that we, if you have no little kids and you don't even have any grandkids, you don't have anything, may I remind you there is a responsibility to all of the youth in this church? Because, listen, guys, we're getting ready to send them out there to be adults. To be adults, right? We're not raising kids, we're raising adults. And soon and very soon, they are going to face what we call the real world. And if we don't train them, uh, they're going to have problems. So here's an interesting fact. Some of you older people can help me with this. But I remember this over, and, and I think that uh, we have, uh, America has changed its ways. But I remember, um, I can remember when I first started my job a long time ago. This is what they did. Here's the keys. Have a nice day. I can literally remember. I can literally remember this so very clearly. This, this was, there, there would be a route that needed. I had never seen it before. I had never been there. I had knew nothing about it. They gave me a route sheet. They gave me keys. Have a nice day. And you just wander around blindly working. I can remember they hired guys off the street. Three days later, they were out driving a truck down the road. Right now, companies used to do that. Companies used to just bring people in, uh, uh, hire them and turn them loose. But companies got to figuring out it's worth training them first. Now, if we hire someone, it's three months before we can get any good out of them. They've got to watch a gazillion videos. They've got to sit through training. They've got to go through meetings. They've got to do all this. And, of course, everybody complains about that. But you know what happens? They learn something before they get turned loose. And then when they get turned loose, they actually can do a pretty good job. So here's what happened. It used to be, okay, we're going to hire 100 guys. We know only 20 of them are going to make it because the rest of them are going to kill themselves. We're just going to turn them loose. That works out. And then they said, you know, if we train all these guys, maybe we could keep most of them headed in the right direction. Am I making sense to me? That, that, that's kind of a company thing. And, and corporate America has kind of caught on to the fact it's worth training to get a better employee instead of just letting them figure it out as they go. And so now uh, the, the, the companies have caught on to this. How about if the church catches on to this? Amen? Amen. I, I, this is a very dear message to my heart, and I really hope you guys will... will, will work with me on this but can i can i just very plainly tell you training changes everything it, it literally does it tra- it changes everything training uh just it, it changes your future it changes your now it, cha- it just changes everything and what about life by trial and error you know what that means i have no training i have no clue i'm going to try it if it doesn't work i'll try something different But how many of you know we can really mess up our lives with trial and error? Now, let's just stop right here in the message before we go any farther. We have a wonderful church. We have wonderful kids. We have have kids of all ages. But how many of you adults sitting here want to send these kids that we have and all of the kids that are coming to camp out into this world and say, trial and error, figure it out? 
Listen, we got to stop doing that. We got to stop doing that. We can't run them down the hill, no training wheels, and just hope for the best because they're going to ruin their life. And and, in the day and age we live in, you can be 18 years old and you can make some decisions that when you're 65, you're still dealing with those bad decisions you made. And we as adults are just saying, well, hope for the best. No, listen, we got to train them. We've got to train them to live life. And and so I, I believe this is very important and I believe it is something we have to get a hold of. Now, I'm going to teach you something this morning, and I, I'm thinking about uh, 80% of you are going to want to tune out on me because you're going to say, this is, just Gary's, this is just Gary's thing again. This is not Gary's thing. I, I'm very passionate about this, and this is, this is where my heart's at. But I, I, I'm asking all of you, please don't tune me out. Please don't turn me off. Uh, please don't say that's the way Gary is. Uh, this is something we all need. And if you just give me a little time to explain it, I, I, I hope to convince you of that before uh, this message is over. But I would like to talk about this morning, so the verse says, train up a child, that we're going to talk about training this morning, and the way he should go, that's just giving him the, the instructions to get through life, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. I believe what that scripture is teaching is, if you'll train them, that doesn't guarantee they're going to turn out right. That doesn't guarantee everything's going to be perfect in their life. But even when they're 50, 60 years old, they're going to remember what you trained them. It sticks with them. You know, I can still remember things my mama told me when I was five years old. When my dad, things he told me, things to do, things to don't do. I still, as a a grown man, I still, to this day, I start doing something. I think, my dad said, don't do that. It's still there. Right now, it doesn't mean I always listen, (laughs) but it's still there. Right? And, what I'm, and I think that's what the scripture said. If you'll train them, you will implant something into them that will last them forever. And, and so that's what the scripture is teaching us. And, and, and let, me, let me throw this out there while we're doing it. I looked up all these Greek words. I looked up uh, uh, train and child and, and uh, depart and, and, and all these different words there. But, but um, they mostly mean exactly what the English says. Uh, so we're not going to try and go through all the definitions. But just, to, just as a point of reference... This word child, interestingly enough, in most of the rest of the Bible, it is translated as young man. So we're not necessarily just talking about a a baby, a a, a tiny little child. Now, that's where they need to start, but this is talking about people who have not yet become adults. So we have teenagers, we have those in church, we still have chance to train them. And, 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 and there's a responsibility that we can still impact their life. And, and, and sadly as it is, sometimes uh, we miss them when they're young, but it's not too late to still import things into them, right? We know at camp we have a lot of kids who come and they're 15, 16, 17 years old, and maybe they haven't had the best of life to start out with, but we can, we can pour our lives into them now and we can still change their futures. Anybody believe that? I hope you believe that because that's the reason we do camp, amen? So, so let's, let's get into this, what, what I want to talk about this morning, that you're going to want to turn me off and you're going, to, uh, want to, you're going to think this is Gary's thing. But here's what I want to talk about. I think this is so critically important. I think this is, this is huge. I think we need to train them to think. I just lost about three quarters of you there, right? Listen. This isn't a Gary thing. This is a life thing. This is a life thing. We've got to train them and think. And I'm going to try and teach you what that means this morning. 
So this is a huge problem. This is a cultural problem. This is an American problem. Uh, this is a political problem. This is a huge problem. But here is where we are at in 2022. Here's where we are at. We will give you the problem. And we will give you the answer. We do not want you thinking what goes between those two things. Here's the problem. Here's the answer. You don't need to concern yourself with what's in the middle. Now, I just want to... Now, this, I'm going to talk about something I know nothing about, okay? Well, very, very little about. But how many of you parents know that in school now, it isn't what it used to be? When I was, when I was in school, we took math and we worked through the math problem and we got down to an answer. You know, they don't do that anymore. <laughs> right? But what they say is, here is your problem and here is the answer and that's all you need. And life is kind of like that. Now, I don't want to ruin Mother's Day by this illustration, but can I tell you that is exactly what politics are in America today? Here's the problem, and we're going to give you the solution. Don't worry about the messy stuff in the middle. This is going to ruin your life. Just here's the answer, and here's the problem, right? And then, because we're such smart people, we, we, you know, the, we can condemn the liberals, but then we have to have TV programs to tell us, here's the problem, and here's the solution, and we're going to tell you what to think, and don't think about what's in the middle. Can I tell you, I really believe that we have a country full of people who've quit thinking. That's been my complaint from, from, the, from the beginning of 2020. I would tell Renee, I said, what is wrong with people? There's no way you can believe that. That is the most insane thing I've ever heard in all my life. And I look around at Christians and say, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. No, that's not right. That's dumb. Right? But it's like we've completely lost the process of thinking. And you say, Pastor, I'm not a thinker. No, listen, I'm not talking about you being like me. I'm talking about being able to have some logic to say that does not make sense. Okay, is anybody with me? So we, we have raised, not only are we raising our kids now, but are we have, have an entire culture that is not concerned about thinking through. They're just simply concerned with a problem and a solution. <clears throat> so we need to, so here's what I really want to try and, try, and, try and get across this morning. We need to train our kids to take biblical concepts, plug them in to everyday life, go through that process mentally and make good decisions. I, I say this as kindly as I can. I think we've completely lost that. I think we've completely lost that. I see grown adults. I see grown adults all the time. They've sat in church all of their life and they make a decision. And I'm thinking, the Bible plainly tells you what's going to happen with that decision. This is what's going to happen. And it's like they have no, they can sit in church and amen everything you say, and they'd never think through the process. If I would put some biblical concepts in that, I wouldn't do this. Does anybody follow me? So, so we need to think. We, we need to think. Uh, I'm not asking you to be like, like Gary, but I'm asking you, we need to turn our brains on and, and train our children to go out and face life thinking. Am I asking too much here? Am I, am I going too far? <laughs> This is what we need, people. And, and this, is what we, this is what we need to do for our children. <clears throat> I'll make this very bold statement because I believe it to be true. Learning to think puts you so far of almost the entire population. <laughs> Someone should say, wow. Think about a country full of non-thinkers. 
That's what we got. If you can think things through, you're ahead of almost everybody in the country because most of the country turned their brain off and quit thinking. Right? And we wonder why we have problems. <laughs> right? Can you just imagine in 1900, uh, uh, someone would have accused us of not being a thinking country? I mean, they, that would have been un unbelievable. That will never happen to us. We are the thinking country. We are the, the country who, who thinks things. <laughs> now, now we're not. We quit thinking. And, and, I, and I really want to, to stress this point. I believe it is hugely, hugely important. So we're going to try and go through this and try to show you what we mean. Again, if you are a mom here, you have a huge job. If you are a parent here, you have a huge job. If you don't have kids at home, you still have a job. We all have a responsibility to try to help these kids to learn to think. So number one, don't we want all of our young people to have success in life? Don't we want them to have success in life? Isn't that, isn't that what we, is, don't we want every one of our children, you know, some of you are old enough now to remember, you know, you, some of you can remember when me and Brother Dan were running around here, we were little six, seven, eight-year-olds, right? We were the little kids up here singing cute little songs, right? And now we're grown men. Don't you want the little kids we have now to grow up and be men and women who have good lives? Isn't that what we want? Listen, guys, if we don't train them, they don't have much of a chance. I can't even imagine starting life the way it is now. You know, it's not what it was when we were kids. It's not what it was when I got married. It's a whole different world. We need some training. So, so success in life, we could give a lot of different de de definitions. I know a lot of you people maybe you know, have thoughts on what a, a successful life is. But is it okay if I just simplify this down and give you a real simple definition of what a successful life is? Now, this is a Gary definition, okay? Can I tell you what I think a successful life is? This is deep. How about a life you can enjoy? <laughs> Say, I need lots of money. No, you don't. I need this and I need that. No, you don't. But what about if we raise our kids to have a life they can enjoy? You know, I don't have a lot. I don't, I don't have a lot of money. I don't have a lot of, I don't have a lot of what the world would call a successful life. But honestly, I, almost every day of my life, I look around and I say, I can't believe this is my life. My wife, my kids, my grandkids, my church. I can't believe how good life is. I want that for my I want that for Kason and Kalen and Javi and Peyton and, 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 and everyone that is here. I want everyone here to, to be 50 years old and say, wow, life is good. Now, before I give you everything in the message, do you guys know, and I want to be real serious and real straightforward with you, and I'm not talking to the parents. I'm talking to everybody here. Do you guys realize, as precious as those little kids are up on the stage and every young person we have going to this church, do you realize how many of them are going to ruin their lives if we don't intervene? They're going to ruin their life. It breaks our heart to think about this, and, and I don't want to go down this ugly, ugly road, but there were kids here when I was a kid who have ruined their lives, and they're not here now. We've got to train them. We've got to train them to live life. Can any of you adults give me an amen? Life 
is hard. It's not fair. Every kid say, it's not fair. Listen, life's not fair. Whoever said life was fair? Whoever said that? It's not fair. It is hard. You got to be trained. Rachel told me something. I, I didn't know I actually did this, but she said I did. But I was bragging on her and CJ and their marriage and their life and, and what they have. And, I, and I'm very, very proud of them. And this is what Rachel told me one day. She said, Dad, she said, when I was at home, you told me marriage wasn't going to be easy. So she said, I started out not expecting a fairy tale Hallmark movie, but I expected it's going to get ugly. And when it got ugly, we made it work. And when it got hard, we didn't quit. We wasn't like, oh my gosh, he's not going to be perfect. Oh my gosh, she did something I didn't like. We're going to say, oh, I seen that coming. How many, <laughs> how many kids are we sending out there looking for their Prince Charming who will do everything right and never make a mistake? All right? And they watch enough Hallmark movies to know that's how it works. Right? And we're going to just find the perfect guy who has a perfect body, who has a perfect job, who loves me and cares about my feelings, and is going to do everything I want him to do and pick up his underwear. Right? That's that, that, that guy we're going to marry, right? And we're going to find this beautiful girl who is gorgeous in, in every way, and she's, she's just loving, and she's a great cook, and she rubs my back, and she rubs my feet, and she brings me grapes, and she's just perfect. Right? And she tells me how great I am all the time. Listen. Those people don't exist. Those people don't exist, okay? If you're looking for them, they don't exist, right? But, but you know, there are, there are some broken people out there that can give you a tremendous life. See, I married one of those. I married a woman who's not perfect. I married a woman who, who uh, has faults. She married a man who has faults, but can I tell you, it's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome. Is anybody getting this picture? We send our kids out there not trained, not expecting, having the world dilute them and what they think reality is, and it is not that way. And we've got to start training them to succeed in life. And have an enjoyable life. So let's talk about a biggie here just real quick. Let's talk about a career path. A career path. Now, at the Sandhill Church, oh, listen, we're not worried about anybody else, okay? Let's just worry about us, okay? At the Sandhill Church, we have all of these kids up here, uh, the, these, these young kids, the teenagers, we have all the kids in our church. What should we be teaching them as kids? It's all about the money. Make as much as you can, get the best paying job. That's what's important. You know, we told a lot of generations that. I remember a lot of kids, you know, when they, when they were, when they, when we were, we were 18, 20 years old, man, this job pays this much money. If I just have it, I'll have everything I need. I remember many people in this church saying that, man, if I could just get this job, I will have everything I want and life will be perfect. Now I may never go to church because it takes me away from that. I may have to be dishonest in some things because of that. I may have to do this and this and that, but I will have lots of money. We need to start teaching our kids that it isn't all about the money. Listen, we got to have money to eat. I, I like eating. Anybody here like eating? I like a house to live in. 
I, I even, it's kind of nice to have a car to drive around in. We have to have money to live. We understand that. But listen, guys, there are jobs that will take you far away from the Lord, and there are jobs that will draw you close to the Lord. I don't know if everybody knows this about Josh, and, and I think everybody understands kind of where Josh's heart's at. But Josh went to school. He got his, uh, he, he got his bachelor's degree in business. He, everybody knows he's a smart kid. When he, was little, when he was little in this church, everybody thought, man, he's going to be running General Motors, you know, one day. He's, you know, we just thought he's going to be this great person. And so Josh gets this degree, right? And so now he's smart, and he's got a paper that says so, right? And then he started having job offers, making way more money than I make. And literally, the guy told me, all Josh has to do is make this phone call, and he will have this high-paying job. This is probably more than most all of you make that work that live in, here at church. You know what Josh said? Yeah, but Dad, if I did that, I wouldn't get to go to church. Yeah, but Dad, if I did that, I, I, I wouldn't be close to God. I said, Josh, look at all the money. <coughs> yeah, but Dad, I, I don't think I want that job. Then he got offered another job. Look at all the money you can make. You can put your degree to work. You can do this. And that. Yeah, but I won't be where I'm supposed to be with God. And I, I'm not saying this belittling. Josh is not making a killing here working at church. Let me know that. Okay. He's not filthy rich. So which one turned out better? You know, Josh could have 10 years ago made that decision to take that high-paying job and be making more money than anybody here in this church. And him and Jenny could not be together. He could not be seeing his little girl. He could not be going to church. And wouldn't that be a great thing? Are you guys following me? That We've got to start training our kids that way. And when we send them out here, one thing and one thing only matters. Make as much money as you can. We are ruining their lives. And by the way, sisters, the guy who makes the most money isn't necessarily the best husband. Amen? I'm just saying, if we, uh, you say, well, you're talking about money. No, man, money matters, right? We've, we've established that. But I'm just saying, there is a training that says take some biblical concepts, lay them down over this job, and see how they work out. You know, people say stupid things like, you know, I'm coming to church and I'm faithful and I got this job offer and I'm going to take this job and I'm going to make lots of more money and I'm going to do all those things, but, but I'll, I'll still be in church. No, you won't. No, you won't. You'll start missing, you'll start missing, you'll start missing, then you won't be here anymore. And we've seen that over and over. So I'm just saying, if we don't train our kids to think that way, um, the world's going to tell them what to think and they're going to go down a path that may ruin their life. And, and we, we've all seen that real quickly. And, and I, I have a lot that I really want to get to you guys, but, but is it mind-blowing to anybody except for me that we teach all of the things that we do to our kids and in church and in school and in society, no one ever teaches them how to take care of their money? Is that mind-blowing to anybody but me? I mean, nobody teaches them. We just say, Here, here's, a, here's a check for $1,000. Have fun. And then they go spend it at McDonald's and they say, I can't pay the house payment, right? And no one ever told them, oh, you have to save part of that to pay the bills. Has anybody, <laughs> did I lose all of you there? Nope. 
We need to train our children. Listen, it's a biblical concept. I don't have time to go through the Bible. There is so much in the Bible that talks about that. But what about if we teach our little kids, listen, when you get a paycheck, you have to set it aside to have enough money to pay the things so as you, so as you can survive. And if we were real honest, a lot of us that are older in the church, you know how we figured that out? Trial and error. Spent too much, can't pay the bills, can't eat. Okay, we better do better, right? What if we would train our kids to leave out of here and get a job and take care of their money in such a way they didn't have to live that lifestyle? <laughs> this is nuts and bolts stuff. This is easy, simple stuff, but I think we've completely missed it in so many ways. And what about, we're still talking about the success in life. We're still talking about having an enjoyable life. But what about priorities? Shouldn't we be teaching our kids what a priority is supposed to be? You have, you have money, you have fame, you have popularity, you have a good walk with the Lord, you have family. Which one of those should be first? Right? And how many of our kids have left out of here thinking popularity and money are number one? Hey, God's down here somewhere. Family fits in somewhere else. Right? Listen, if we was to turn the whole thing around and say, listen, the most important thing is your relationship with God. The second most important thing is your family. Everything else comes after that. It would turn our kids' lives around. But when they go out of here thinking, if I am popular and I make a lot of money and I do this and that and everybody looks up to me and everybody knows my name and everybody thinks I'm great, life will be good. Spoiler alert, no, it won't. <laughs> it won't be good, right? So I think we need to teach these things. <clears throat> Brother Tom has a philosophy. I don't know if his kids are aware of it. I'm assuming that they are, but if they're not, this is Tom's philosophy. I think this is brilliant. Brother Tom told me this a long, 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 long time ago, and, and this, is, this is how Brother Tom raised his kids. When CJ was first married, now Lucas is, is a man, and, and Jamie's married, and this is what Tom told me. He said, if they have a problem, if CJ's car breaks down, I will come and help him fix his car. But he's not sitting in there playing video games while I'm out here working on his car. Because the next time, he won't have any idea how to do it. You know what Tom's saying? I'm going to train him. Now you know what happens? CJ's truck breaks down. Tom's not there. Guess who's there? CJ. Do you guys get how simple that is? You say that's simple. How many parents today, and how many of your moms, I love your moms, but how many of your moms think you're doing your kids a big favor by doing everything for them and they never think? And then when they become an adult, they say, Mom, I'm 35 years old. Will you come fix my problem? Right? Well, why not train them to be an adult? How about like Tom says, I'll help you, honey, but I ain't doing it for you. Not because I don't love you, because I want you to become an adult. Is this too simple? And I know in our culture this kind of goes against the grain, but I really think if we teach our kids to think, uh, they, they would have a much better chance to survive in life. I don't want to lose one of our children, and I want all of our children to have great lives, and I have to believe the responsibility falls primarily on us. So number two, uh, we said so much more about it, trying to, trying to get uh, through this message, but, but let's talk about f satisfying family. Here's one thing I don't think a lot of people realize, but do you know this? If your marriage isn't good and your children aren't good, it doesn't matter if you're making a million dollars a year. And really, 
Everything in life that brings you happiness and contentment, listen, that car will only bring you happiness for so long. That house will only bring happiness. Those things are not what make you happy. You know what makes you happy? When you lay down at night and your family loves you and you love them. Now, if I just stop there for just a second, how many million people are there today that would give everything they have if they had a relationship with their family? If their spouse loved them, if their kids loved them, if their grandkids loved them. See, family is important. And, and, a, and in a family that you can, that you can enjoy is really one of the greatest blessings you're going to get here in life. And if we don't put that at the right place, now, it doesn't go before God, but it is second. It, 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 is, it is up there, right? And really, this whole thing is designed. I have preached so many times that God did not design us to be lone rangers. We need each other, right? And when you, when you say, if I have enough money and I have enough popularity and I have enough this and that and other enough toys, I'll have a good life. No, you won't. We need each other. Right, and, and so we need to teach our, 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 our kids as they're going out the importance of family. <clears throat> so laying down biblical concepts. So there are biblical concepts. We teach those concepts to our kids. Here, I guess, I don't know if anybody's catching on what I'm saying or not. I don't know how to get this across to you guys. But sometimes I think, even in this church, I think sometimes we teach biblical concepts, and you guys get the concept. You just never lay it down over your life. Are you guys getting that? So let's talk about choosing a mate. How many of you think that's a big deal? Huh? Look, look here. How many of you think that's a big deal? You're 18 years old. What? If you are an 18-year-old boy, what is the only thing that matters? She's gorgeous. It doesn't, if she can't cook, if she's, if she's mean, if, she if nothing else matters, if she's gorgeous, that's all that matters. How many of you know we need to change that? need to change that because see we lay some biblical concepts down there we find out that now I'm not opposed to a, a pretty woman okay I'm not opposed to that right I'm not opposed to you you girls looking for a guy who is handsome but there's more important things does he love Jesus does she love Jesus do they have the right priorities? Do they do do are they are they trustworthy? I have told Renee this ever since we got married. Uh, this is this is like the the greatest thing in my entire life aside from my salvation. I trust Renee. I trust her. If I am at work, I am not wondering what is she doing. I am not worried she's doing something I don't approve of. I trust her. If I am gone and in another country and I'm gone for six months, I trust her. Can I tell you, there's not much of anything that's worth as much as that right there? That trusting someone? Now, I'm just trying to get across to you, when we're choosing a mate, there are biblical concepts for picking a mate. And we need to be training our children to rise up. I'm not saying go find the ugliest girl you can find. That's not my point, okay? But I am saying, if she's gorgeous and she doesn't love Jesus, stay away from her. Stay away from her. Newsflash, everybody look right here. Newsflash, newsflash. <clears throat> it, I'll, I'll make you a promise. I'll make you a promise. If she is drop dead gorgeous, a ten and a half blows your mind, it won't last. It won't last. 
give her a few years, give her a few years, it'll be gone. And then what do you have? Oh, I guess I should have thought it was about something besides looks. Now, we say that kind of funny, but it's true, right? Nobody stays an 18-year-old uh, cheerleader forever. And, and, and the guys lose their hair and get a big belly. I mean, that, that's, that's what happens in life, okay? So, so if you're just all hung up on the looks, you've missed the whole... But I'm saying, biblically, we need to be teaching our kids there's something to look for. And if you don't, we're going to send our kids out of here. Let, 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 I shouldn't even have to preach this, and, and, and I, I shouldn't have to preach this, but, but I'm going to preach it anyway. The Bible is crystal clear, guys. Listen, crystal clear. It, could, it cannot be any clear. This is not a matter of opinion or, or anything else. This is crystal clear. Be ye not unequally yoked. It's clear. So here's the thing, guys. I'm not going to marry them. I'm just going to date them. Bad idea. Bad idea. You start having feelings. It must be from God, and this is what I'm meant to have, and, and all these crazy, stupid things. Listen, God said, be not unequally yoked. Now, me and Renee were raised in the same church, very similar parents, very similar beliefs, uh, just everything. And can I just be real honest? It's not been easy. Imagine if she was raised in an entirely different uh, belief than what I was. Imagine if one of us was a Christian and one of us was not. How do you have a good marriage like that? But can I tell you, there's people that have been raised in this church that are not here now, but there are people who have been raised in this very church who have, have been raised in church all their lives. You know what they looked for when they went out there? It wasn't being equally yoked. They found a good-looking guy, a good-looking girl, made a lot of money, and they married them. Not in church anymore, have nothing to do with God, marriages is a mess. Someone should train them be not unequally yoked. And I'm going to go a little farther with this, and you can think I'm fanatical. But I believe this is, this is just good common sense. This is a Bible thinking, by the way. I believe not only should not, you not marry someone who's not a Christian, I believe you're going to set yourself up for a tremendous harm when you marry someone who is not in the same place as you spiritually and someone who is of a different denomination than you. Because now, what are we going to teach our kids? Your belief or my belief? Where are we going to, where you go to church with mommy or you go to church with daddy? Where you, you see, we have all these complications, but she's cute. She's pretty. Listen, that won't make it when you guys are fighting. That won't make it when you guys are fighting. I'm just saying, if you find someone, so if we train our kids to look for people who have similar beliefs and, and, and have similar convictions and who love Jesus and who are sold out for Jesus, it will save them a tremendous amount of heartache. If we will train them that way, Amen. And so, so let's let's start doing that with our with our kids. <clears throat> Having a biblical marriage, and I wish I could spend so much more time on all these, but 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 just just quickly, shouldn't we teach our kids what a biblical marriage looks like? When, when my kids are little and at home, I didn't always sit Josh down and say, now Josh, this is what a husband does. But you know what he saw? He saw me doing what a husband does. Does that make sense? Rachel saw Renee doing what a wife does. But, but if our kids don't know what that looks like, then they have a, a distorted view of marriage. And, you know, let, let's go to camp just for a minute. We know that everybody in America today does not have the ideal home life. Amen? We don't like it, but it's true. 
There's a lot of those kids that are raised in, in not ideal families. And a lot of those kids don't know what a loving marriage looks like. Shouldn't they be seeing it in the church? Shouldn't they be learning it in the church? Shouldn't that be where they come to find out what it is supposed to look like? And guys, listen, if we can't show them that, we might as well close the doors and go home. We've got to. So the way that, so you that are, that are older, the way that you are treating your wife, wives, the way that you are treating your husband, is that what the Bible says or is that how you want to be? Because they ought to see people modeling a marriage. Amen? And if you have little boys and little girls, we need to teach them, listen, when you grow up, you treat her like a queen. You, you, treat, her, you treat her as good as you treat no matter what. She, listen, there's going to be days she's going to be impossible to live with, right? There's going to be days that, that you guys don't get along, but you treat her with love and respect and honor. You teach the little girls, listen, he's going to do things that you don't like and you don't agree with, but, but you honor him and you respect him and you follow him. I probably shouldn't say this, and please don't take this. Some of you will take this the wrong way. But I've had long talks with Rachel, long talks with Rachel. And some of you, <laughs> i got to be careful. I'll get in the flesh and I'll say something I shouldn't say. I'll be real, real careful. Some people don't like the way Renee, Rachel treats her husband. Because you know what Rachel does? If we ask her something, if her mother asks her something, you know what she says? I'll talk to CJ and I'll let you know. What is wrong with her? And, I, and I've told Rachel, no, this is, Lord help me, don't ruin my whole pastorship right here. <laughs> I have told Rachel, if them other women in the church would understand what you understand, things would change around here. But some of you think that your place is to run the house. And Rachel says, Dad, when I understood what the Bible said, and I started doing what the Bible said, then everything started working good at home. <laughs> right? Now, how many of you, raise your hand with me. How many of you here think that CJ is a dictator and Rachel is a doormat? Raise your, I mean, she gets treated horribly, doesn't she? See, that's what we think. We think, and some of that's a preacher's fault because some of the preachers get up here and, you know, listen, that's not what the Bible says. You know what the Bible says? Respect your husband and love your wife. And we need to be teaching our kids that so when they grow up, that's what they will have. Amen? So we need, we need to be training our kids to pick the right spouse and to have godly marriages, biblical marriages. The home life should be full of love and not conflict. Just real quick, uh, I don't think it's an overstatement to say if there is conflict in the marriage, if there's conflict in the home, I can give you one word that causes about 99% of it. Do you know what that word is? Selfishness. I want my way. <laughs> right? I want my way. If I, if I put my foot down and I say, I'm going to have my way or there ain't going to be no way, we're going to be miserable. And Renee, the same way. But when we understand we're two people who don't always see things the same way, we can get along. Right? But selfishness will cause conflict. So if your child is raised in a home where there's always conflict, they're just going to assume that's what marriage is. And lastly, not, and not least, but, but let me say this, we're still talking about a satisfying family, a family where you just enjoy it. I, I hope this does not need to be said, but I'm going to say it anyway. The joy of children. Amen. How in the world did we come to be a society where children are burdens and they are problems to be overcome? They're supposed to be the greatest gift Amen. we can ever have. 
Amen? Jamie's going to bring us another baby. I, I stood up here purposely last week when Jacob did that and, and, and watched him because I wanted to see a look on all of your faces when he did that. But tears and smiles and joy, listen, that's celebration. Amen. That's celebration, right? Babies are celebrating. And listen, the world is killing our babies. And, and we as a church say we don't believe in abortion, but sometimes Christians who don't believe in abortion still think the kids are trouble. They're, they're a nuisance. They're a, they're a burden. No, they're a joy. And can I tell all of you young parents who are, are struggling raising your kids, in a blink of an eye, they will be gone. They will be gone. I, I just told Renee last night, we were sitting at home, just the two of us, and I said, honey, our babies are all grown up. We was watching some show that had a baby on it. Our baby, but I remember bringing Rachel home. I remember bringing Josh home. I could hold him in my arm. They were just a little tiny, and they're gone. It's like the blink of an eye. They're gone. So, so listen, our kids are, and I know that sometimes our kids at the church can be noisy. And I know that sometimes they, they get a little out of hand. And sometimes they need to be brought back into hand. But how would you like to go to a church when there's no one less than 50 there? Dead, dry, quiet. Wouldn't that be great? No. No. And, and Brother Bo's famous words that I repeat all the time, those churches are dying. Because math, math people, if the youngest person is 50 and we're going to die, your, your shelf life is coming to an end, right? There's nothing to replace you. You're, the church is going to die. We have to have youth. And we ought to cherish you. And in our church, we're trying to grow our youth, and God has greatly blessed us with that. But can I just tell all of you guys, if we, have, if we double or triple or quadruple the size of our youth now, it's going to be more aggravation. We ought to consider it a blessing that God gives us kids. We, our youth group has, our, our youth camp has greatly grown this year, and, and, and that is a little staggering, I think, for all of us. But can I tell you, that is that many more kids we get to minister to. It's not a burden. It's not a problem. It's not news. It is a blessing. Kids are a blessing from God. What does the Bible say? Uh, uh, blessed is a man whose quiver is full. If you don't understand it, come talk to me afterwards. I don't have time to explain it. But if it's a lot of kids, are a blessing. Amen? Lastly, moving on. Lastly, uh, steadfast spiritually. This, this subject is so clear, dear to my heart. All, all of these points, thinking biblically, we have to teach our kids to think biblically. Steadfast spiritually, we had the theme last year of unmovable for camp. The whole concept was you're not just tossed to and fro with everything that comes along. And, and, and I hope that we have adults that are that way. But can I say we need to raise our kids up? Can you imagine what you are facing? If you, if you were here today and you were 10 years old, 12 years old, 15 years old, can you imagine what you are facing going out into this world? All of the confusion on religion, on beliefs, and is God even real, and does Jesus matter, and every religion's the same, and all the craziness is out there, and we send them out there, what chance do they have? We've got to teach them, we've got to train them biblically. <clears throat> Brother Jacob uh, introduced me to this, and I think Brother Richard has joined ranks with us, and, and I don't know that anybody else has, has in here, but there is a gentleman in California... And he has a podcast, 
and uh, some of you don't know what that is, but anyways, he has a podcast, and it is called uh, Biblical Thinking. It is awesome, because here's what this guy does, and, and I've listened to somebody that I think, wow, that is amazing. But this is what this guy does. Any question, anything that comes up, he takes the Bible and determines what the answer is. And the whole concept of the, of the program is, I'm teaching you to think biblically. Now, here's the other way we can do it. This is what we believe at Sand Hill, and you have to believe what we believe. Okay, is that a good idea? That's not a good idea. What we need, and what my desire is here at Sand Hill Church for you adults, when I die and I'm no longer here, I don't want you to say, well, this is what Gary believed. I want you to be able to take the Bible and be a Bible thinker. Shouldn't we be teaching our kids that? When they go out into the world and they're faced with things, when they hear different preachers, when they hear different beliefs, when they hear all the different crazes, they shouldn't go back to, well, Sand Hill does not believe this. Who cares? Pastor Gary doesn't think that's right. Who cares? You know what they need to be able to do? They need to be able to take the Bible and lay it down over those beliefs and see if they're right or not. Pastor Gary's not always going to be here. Mom's not always going to be here. Grandma's not always going to be here. But this right here will be here till the end. If we train them to take this in everything they face, so see, we're teaching them things in Sunday school, we're teaching them things in junior church, we're teaching them things in the sanctuary, we're teaching them all these things. But if those are all just uh, random concepts to them, we're not getting the job done. They've got to understand how to take those Bible concepts and lay them down over life and think life through with Bible. Am I making sense to anybody here at all? Are you, are you guys getting this? So our kids need to, to take the Bible and interpret life through the Word of God. <clears throat> So doctrine, there's so much false doctrine out there, and, and we need to prepare our kids to overcome that uh, so they're not deceived by doctrine. Uh, they're not deceived by emotions. Um, I believe, especially for our young people, they're often very vulnerable to this, but there are a lot of things that will stir the emotions. Is there anybody here that knows that just because your emotions are stirred does not mean it's true? Right? And if we send them out just no Bible but knowledge, no training, no, no, none of that, but just follow your feelings, they're going to get in trouble. I'm talking spiritually right now. I'm talking about their spiritual future is going to be, they could get drawn into some place where there's, uh, uh, it's just emotion and no, no Bible, and, and it will, they will be deceived. So we have to train them that that does not happen. And lastly, let me just give you this real quickly. We need to train them in church that actually works. This has blown my mind uh, uh, for, forever. I don't understand. The, what, what, what is the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting a change. Definition of insanity. But there are so many churches that it's, it's, like, you're, it's like you're flying the plane into the ground and you just think, well, this ain't working. Let's go a little faster. <laughs> Right? It's, it, this isn't working. We need to teach our kids, look, listen, someday Kaysen is going to be the old man. If the Lord doesn't return, Kaysen's going to be the old man in his church. He ought to be able to look around and say, is this actually working or is it not working? If it's not working and God's not blessing it and nothing is happening, maybe we ought to stop and take a look at what we need to change. But back to where I started with the message, there are a multitude of churches thousands and thousands of churches which just literally blows my mind there are thousands of churches today that are dying 
and they are dead, and there is nothing happening, and no one looks around and says, do we have a problem? It blows my mind because they just do what they've always done and hope someday things will change. I think we need to think. I think we need to think. I think we need to train our kids to think. And in every area of life, everything that they do, we need to send them out of here with the ability to take the Word of God and their brain that God gave them and think through the issues of life and handle life. We pray that this message has stirred your soul as you continue on for Christ. If you've been blessed by this sermon, we encourage you to share this podcast with others that we made together and embolden each other for the kingdom cause. To listen to Sandhill Sermons live, you can join us Sundays at 11 o'clock on Facebook and YouTube. You can also find additional content such as our Steadfast Studies podcast or the NOYC Godcast for Youth provided by Sandhill for spiritual growth of all ages. These can be found at sandhillfwb.com or on all major podcast platforms. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way.